You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good morning. It's uh, very much an honor again to be back here with you this morning, and I really appreciate always the opportunity to share uh, the word and what the Lord's put on my heart. I believe God has given me a specific word for you all today, and I want to really encourage you to open your hearts to receive God's word today for yourselves, for where you are in your life, and and I believe that it will encourage us all as we uh, continue to worship the Lord through the teaching today. Amen. So we are going to be talking about encountering God through worship. Now, I always love how the Holy Spirit works because when you have a powerful worship service like we did today, God wants to speak a word of worship to us and and what that means in our lives. And I believe that God is calling us to encounter him. And I've been saved for many years, and I know what it's like to go through the routines of worship. How many of you can ever feel like you just go through the routines of worship? And, and sometimes we judge worship on how familiar we were with the songs that we sang, or if the song service went very smoothly, or if it would just meant something to us. And so I, I want to start challenging us a little bit today that it's not always about the songs as much as it is our heart toward him. And I want to open up with a scripture in Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version. It says, Therefore, I urge you, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, sorry. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice. If you can underline your Bible, that's a good living sacrifice place to underline there. Holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time that we're looking into your word today and and just hearing what you have to say to us about the power and the the uh, experience that we can have and encounter with you in during worship lord i just ask that your holy spirit would open our hearts to receive and open open up the words to be spoken today lord to us that we would just be changed and transformed lord that we would even come to a place where we can meet you speak to you and encounter you in a new way in jesus name Amen. Amen. You know, I was thinking about how to start this message today, and I I wanted to bring to your attention some uh, things that have happened in our lifetime. How many of you have ever been to a concert? Any concert, doesn't matter. I like, how how many like to go to concerts? I I like concerts. I think they're fun. And it doesn't matter who, you know, who you want to go, unless you're going to see some kind of a Satan band. I'm, you know, not talking about that. But go, but go and enjoy a concert. It's entertainment, and it's fun, right? And I remember uh, my mom and dad were big Elvis Presley fans. They're not here, but if they're watching, they're, they love Elvis Presley. I mean, the king, right? And I remember as a young kid, we'd watch the TV shows. I'd never seen him, so some of you, may, may, maybe you've seen him in concert. I don't know. Um, and I remember watching on TV, and all of these young ladies mostly ladies, I, I didn't see any men, but mostly ladies would 
be so swooned by Elvis, right? I mean, they would be falling out in emotional overload, crying, and being carried out by security over, so they didn't get trampled, you know, we had to be safe, right? And so here they are, they're watching, and they are just falling out with emotion. Now, I like Elvis, but I don't know that I would do that. But And, and what about uh, the Beatles, when the Beatles came, the great British invasion, right? The same thing happened, right? Girls, and, and mostly mostly girls, but uh, there was a lot, of, a lot of people who went to these concerts. So it wasn't just women who went, it, men went too. But a lot of times these people would pass out from their excitement and the emotion that they were having from seeing this concert or this person perform they were iconic artists they were iconic in who they were and what they were doing groundbreaking of course then you come to my era I'm a little bit younger than the Elvis Presley age and we had somebody you probably know the name Michael Jackson I mean, remember Michael Jackson he performed in crowds of tens of thousands of people. And one of his largest performances was a crowd of 130,000 people, which is twice the size of the Lucas Oil Stadium. Wow. Can you imagine? And so the same thing happened. The girls were going crazy and they were falling down and they were crying and they were just overwhelmed with emotion. And it was almost as if they were pushing this person to this, such a high place of worship. I didn't realize it then, but I kind of do now that it's almost a form of worship. I mean, these, these girls, they would cry, they were mesmerized, they were passing out from the intensity. They were worshiping their idol, if you will. Now, again, I'm not against concerts. I think it's fun to go see bands perform, even secular bands. But I have to ask myself, is there a time when we can put to a high a level of some people and make them an idol? Hmm. What's going on? I mean, we are living in America. We have a show called American idol right how many of you have watched it i watched it i think it's fun i think it's it's kind of cool to watch these new talents come on board and and we call it american idol and we don't think anything about it right but it is something that's very interesting because really it kind of comes down to some place of what are we worshiping i submit to you today that we are worshiping something whether or not we're worshiping God, we're worshiping something because we are created to worship. If you're not worshiping God, then there's going to come something you worship, whether it's your uh, a friend, a family, a person, or somebody you lift up. And I submit to you today that I believe, you know, all of these artists, they have, they have tremendous problems, don't they? Elvis died of overdose and, and drugs. Michael Jackson died of things, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the drugs that he was taking. 
And I think, personally, this is my personal opinion, don't quote me on this for, for anybody else that said this, but my personal opinion is, is because we put such a high level of expectation on a person who can't handle it, they're lost. There's no way they can live up to the expectation of these people that come to them in droves, miles, camping for days, driving for miles to see them and lifting them up to a magnitude that they can't possibly ever live up to. But there is one. There is a person. His name is Jesus. And he lived up to everything. He lived up to everything that we should be worshiping in our lives. So really the question that I want to ask you today is what is worship? Let me give you the first definition of what is worship. It is the activity of glorifying God in his presence with our voices and hearts. Hmm. You know, in Exodus chapter 7, whenever Moses was leading the children or getting ready to lead the children out of Egypt, uh, they charged Pharaoh and, and demanded that Pharaoh let his people go, let God's people go for one reason so that they may be free in the wilderness to worship God. They couldn't worship under the uh, slavery. They couldn't do anything they wanted to do. So part of the reason for them being set free was so that they could worship God and come together in a congregational setting again. So that can also give us another part of this definition. It says the direct expression of our ultimate purpose for living. How many of you remember the song a few years ago Chris Tomlin came out with called Made for Worship? We were made for worship. You and I were designed to worship the Creator. We're the created ones, and we're designed to worship the Creator. So this third part of this definition can be also this. This is the outward display of an inward belief that is what we are doing when we come together congregationally is we're expressing that inward desire, inward belief of lifting up and honoring our creator. Now, if you ask what is church, uh, you know, what is, what is a, during a church service, what is worship? Most of us Christians, Christianese will speak, you know, how many, you have, there's Christian speak. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, when we talk about being saved and we talk about going to the service and, you know, all that stuff people don't rec recognize outside of the church sometimes. But during our service, we have a section of it that we just did today with our worship team that did a great job and it was dedicated to worship. It was a 15, 20 minutes there or whatever and it was dedicated to worship. But I want to ask you this, is worship limited to that time? No. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is an act that we live out every day of our lives. When you're going to work, you can worship God. When you're walking uh, during your day, anywhere, during the grocery store, or you're walking for exercise, you can worship God during that time. Sometimes it's easier to worship God when you're outside and away from some of the distractions that we face. Isn't that true? Have you ever found that? that people like, that's why people like to go on hikes or they like to get away from all the busyness so that they can focus and worship God. 
So I like this English, old English definition or word that we could actually exchange for this. It's called worthship. You ever heard that word, worthship? It's an old English word, and it kind of means the same thing, but it's, it's basically meaning putting the value or the worth upon something that we're honoring. It's the place in which we place value. When we are called to a call of worship like we are because we're created, it's, a, it's to come into the agreement that the Creator is worthy to be praised. Amen? Is our Creator worthy to be appraised? Yes, He is. And we, by the way we live our lives, can praise Him and worship Him. Hebrews, I like, the, I like when the Bible defines itself. How many of you like the, when the Bible defines itself? So let's look at a scripture that can define this. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 and 16. Therefore, by Him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is, he's going to tell us what it is. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. How many of you ever find that it's a sacrifice to worship God? You know what a sacrifice is? It's, it's, sometimes it's hard. How many of you find that it's difficult to worship God through very difficult trying times? Come on, be honest. We're in church. It's hard. When we don't see God moving, but that's why they call it faith. I'm going to step out on faith and I'm going to believe that God is going to move in my circumstance the way he desires. And I'm going to get out of the way and let him do it. And I'm going to still praise him and worship him. Worthship. I like how Lou Giglio puts this. Uh, I have the slide here for you. It says, worship is when we give God his breath back. <laughs> Isn't that good? When we praise God, we're just giving God his praise back, his breath back. And that is powerful when you think about how we can do this. We worship with our lives. Now, how are we going to do this? I, I want to look at a few scriptures here. Uh, I don't think I have all these scriptures, so I'm just going to kind of reference them. But in Exodus chapter 19, there, there's a passage that talks about here that after they left, the, the children, of e, e, children of Israel left the Egypt, and they came and unanimously desired to follow God. They were all in full agreement, three months out. And in verse uh, 8, it says, Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So get the picture. They just got out of Egypt, and now they're saying, Yes, Moses, all that the Lord said, we will do exactly. But then something happens. In Exodus chapter 20, we see that, that God gives the Ten Commandments, the first few 17 verses, I believe it is. And one of the, how many even remember what the first one is? You shall have no other gods before me, right? And the other, the second one says, you shall make no carved image, no graven images, or anything that's in the likeness of men. And then in verse 19, something happens, something transitions in their hearts. 
And they say this, they said, God, Moses, you speak with us, you speak with us, Moses, and we will hear you, but not, let not us speak with God. See the change? In the first verse, they were, they were all, yeah, God, we're going to do whatever you want to do. We're going to follow you. We're going to do whatever you do. Then God gave the rules. <laughs> Ouch. And then they said, hey, uh, yeah, you know what, Moses, you can talk to God for us. Okay? You, you can go for us. And in, in Exodus 25, just, just reference this for a minute, Moses, God gives Moses the format of the tabernacle and how it's designed and all, all the specifications. And he wants, the purpose, the whole purpose is, is that God will have a place to meet with his people. In fact, there's an area called the tabernacle of meeting. And God wants to come down, and this tabernacle was going to be a pattern of things to come. And so they get this design, and, and Moses is there, and he's basically, in verse 22, Moses says this, he says, and there, I mean, God says this to Moses, he says, I will meet with you, and I will speak with you in this place from above the mercy seat from between the two cherubim which are the ark of the testament about everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel we begin to see the clear desire of God he doesn't want to be some distant God he wants to be a God of relationship he wants to be a God where you can come in and I can come in and we can worship him and we can meet with him and speak with him. Man, isn't that good? No longer is it Moses has to go for us or somebody else has to go. How many of you have ever felt like sending the pastor? Pastor Rick, would you go talk to God for me for this, please? I'd like you. Can you go talk to God and get the answer? Because I'm a little scared to be honest with God today and it's hard. But no, God's love and his compassion through this is setting us up for a place where we can come into that fellowship with God and have a deep, intimate relationship with him through worship. It's a life of worship. Now, I, I say this because I, I stand here convicted as anyone else that we don't do what we should do that we don't always go into God's presence. How many of you ever walked out of a service uh, after the end of the service and said, oh, you know, worship was okay that day. You know, worship was good, worship was bad, whatever. Wherever you go, it doesn't matter. But was it really the instruments or was it really the songs or was it really that we weren't in the right place to enter in? Think about it. Because God wants to meet with you. He said, I'll meet with you. I don't know about you, but that changes our whole mindset to when we come into a place of worship, of congregational worship, where we should open our hearts and we should be excited as we were to go see that concert as we were when we come through the doors of a church. What are we expecting? Where is the expectation that we are going to meet with God and he is going to speak with us.
Because it's not up to just Rick. It's not just up to the worship team. It's up to us as individuals. And I love the, the young little man was up here. <laughs> I mean, come on now. What, what better of a sign do you need? As a child comes before the Father, so should we. Sometimes that's a struggle, isn't it? Because what happens in our lives is we go through life and we have wounds. We have hurts. We have pains. We get hard. Our hearts get hard. And then we can't worship. We got to get that place back where we can come back into that place of worship. It's so hard sometimes, but it's so rewarding to bring forth the sacrifice of praise. Now, there's a difference between meeting and speaking. I mean, did you know that? There's a difference between meeting and speaking. I work, I, I share with you, I work in a company and we do a lot of video calls and, and with people around the world. And I will say that it is definitely not very personal. <laughs> Even though I can see the person on the other side of the video, it's not a personal meeting. And so just meeting with someone is not good enough, but we need to speak with them and have a conversation or a dialogue. We can do this. Uh, how, how do we do this today? We text. How many of you ever find this to be, on, to be true? Text messaging is quick, but it's not very personal. Isn't it? It's like, pop. You know, and then we may respond. You may not see it. You may not, you know, and then for those of us who are like, Man, I know I texted them hours ago. Why didn't they respond? You know? And, and so we, we see this, and, and we have the old snail mail, you know, that, that just kind of is dropping uh, the, the message over to the other person without a need for a response right away. God wants to meet with us and speak with us. This is why it's so important for the lives of us as believers to worship God. Now, how did God do this communication method in the Bible times? Well, he had messengers, right? He would send a messenger to go teach, to go share. He would uh, send letters. Many of the uh, uh, New Testament are letters to churches that Paul wrote or many of the other uh, disciples wrote. Um, he had prophets who would speak God's word, who would give God's clarity to his word of what was happening at that, at that time. And one time, God even used a donkey. So God can use anything to communicate. He can use dreams. How many remember Jacob had a dream? He says, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. That's what he said. I didn't know it. I didn't realize that God was here. And the, the thing here is, is that there was a meeting with, him, with Jacob that God was wanting to transfer something to him. Jacob was in trouble. If you remember the story, he was, stole his brother's birthright and he was running from his brother who was a hunter. A tra he could track people. Now, if you're not a hunter and you can't track people and you're trying to hide in the wilderness watch out because there's people who can find you you know they can see that 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 footprint they know exactly when you brushed across that that tree 
and they're going to find you. And so uh, Jacob had a problem. And so God meets Jacob in this dream. And what does he do? He exchanges something. Jacob was running from fear. And so here Jacob comes in and God gives him a promise of his protection and his covering and provision. So we can see that a meeting equals an exchange. God wants us to come into a place of worship so that we can meet with him and exchange. How many of you have something you would like to exchange with God? You know, grief, fear. I I know there's a lot of people with anxiety nowadays. Anxiety, worry, concern. Are, Are you a little concerned about where we're going in the world today? little anxiety. Well, guess what? You can come into the place of worship with him and get an exchange. Fear, I need peace. Anxiety, I need trust. Worry, I'm going to give it all to you, God, because I can't worry on my own. What about the lame man at the temple in Acts chapter 3? He was a beggar and he was there and he was wanting to get something. He needed a healing, but he was expecting to get money because he was a beggar. That was his job. That's all he did. They, they, they took him to the gate daily, the Bible says, and he would ask and beg for alms. And Peter and, uh, Peter and John are walking through and all of a sudden he's begging for alms and they say, silver and gold have I none, but such that I have rise up and walk. What happened? An exchange took place. He was going in this direction, and now he's dancing in the streets. It's an exchange. This is why we worship is so important in our lives, because it, it gets us in the right mindset to receive what God has for us. Worship, I've been around the worship and teachings of worship, and it's, it's been likened to plowing the ground like a farmer who plows a ground. And you can see them out there and then they, they dig up the ground so that they can get ready for the seed to be planted. And that's why traditionally we do worship at the beginning of a service typically. is so that whenever the, the sermon comes, we've already softened our hearts through worship. And then the word of the God, God's word, the seed comes into our hearts and takes root and grows and gives forth fruit. Worship, that's how powerful worship is. Man, are you feeling burnt out? Are you feeling down? Are you feeling discouraged in these days that we're in? Maybe we just need an encounter with God. It doesn't have to happen on a Sunday, but it can. Hopefully it happened today for many of us. It did for me. It made me feel lifted up. It made me feel better than when I came in today. Maybe we just need an encounter with him. And we need to exchange some things and give him some stuff that we've been carrying. Because I I can tell you this, there are things that we're carrying that we're not meant to carry. Doesn't that free you up? You know some of those problems that we have in our backpack that we carry around that are weighting us down? Man, just let's just symbolically take those off and let God carry them. That's what he was designed, that's what he designed to to have happen. Thank you, Lord. See, the tabernacle was just a copy or a pattern of things to come. 
But today, we have the right opportunity to come into his presence and worship him and give our hearts to him and open our hearts to him. We can encounter life through worship. Man, I don't know of a better time to hear this, but we need to have some life put back in us. Everywhere you go, there's bad report. (laughs) Everywhere you look, it's all bad in human eyes. And if we are fighting this battle that we're in and under our human eyes, come on, we're not going to win. We're human. Elvis couldn't help those girls that were falling out. He wasn't going to love them. He wasn't going to fill the void in their hearts. He was a pretty pretty talented person. And I'm sure he loved a lot of his fans. But he wasn't going to be there when they were crying in the night. But Jesus can. He can be there. Now, wouldn't it be great if I told you today that we have this place to go and encounter God? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be great? We, do, do we have this place? It's a place, it's a church, it's our friends, it's worship, it's a place where we can go to become one with God. It gives me great encouragement that we have this place. The scripture says, do you not know that the bo- your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? This is the pattern of the things that come. Now, the temple is in us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we can allow God to come into our hearts and we can worship him, as a Samaritan woman said, in spirit and in truth. You know what? We, we need this. We need this more than ever. We need this more than ever. I need this more than ever. Worship is such a powerful weapon And sometimes, if you've been in church for a long time, we can take it so for granted. When we come in here, the worship team's preparing, and they've studied all week, and they've gotten ready, you know what our attitude should be? Is we are going to come into agreement with them, and we are going to call down heaven to earth. We're going to do everything we can to align with what they are leading us in to come into that place. Why? So that I can meet with God and I can exchange some of my pain, some of my hurt, some of the, some of the things that I'm going through, the struggles and difficulties of my life. And that is the most important thing we can do. And then we don't leave here. I know the worship team don't want you to leave it here. They want you to take it home with them. They take it with you. How many of you have ever been driving and you were going through a struggle and you hear that song, whether it's a worship song or a, a, a contemporary song or whatever, and it speaks to you and it's like, wow, God, you are real. And I open myself up to see that, God. I want to, want to see that. 
So how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this as we close here? What are we going to do? We're going to do this. Number one is we're going to worship God with our lives. It's an act of worship. Wherever you are, you can worship God in his creation, giving thanks to him and praise to him. You begin to thank God. You begin to praise him. You begin to say, God, in my natural mind, I don't see any way out of this, but I thank you, God, that you are in control. Your ways are above my ways, God, and I trust you. Just say that right now on your breath. Say, I trust you, God. I trust you. Number two is during church, we come expecting to have an encounter with him, expecting him to move. And we expect to gather together and to worship him. Number three is this, it's a sacrifice of praise. Sometimes you won't feel like it. Sometimes it won't feel natural. But you have to make a sacrifice of praise. Number four is this one, which this is a very interesting one. Avoid distractions or be aware at least of distractions that come. I can speak from experience that it seems like the most anointed times or from the, even at home, when you're by yourself worshiping the Lord, guess what'll happen? The salesman will ring the doorbell or the spam caller will call. And it happens in church too. Focus your mind, set your attention on the atmosphere of worship and don't let the distractions dissuade you from your times of worship. Maybe you need to close your eyes. That's okay. It's worship. It's you and God. I'm going to go ahead and have the worship team come on up as we close out the end of the service here. I wanted to read a scripture to close out today as I believe that the word can speak to us. Amen. Let's let the word speak to us today. And maybe we'll do this. Maybe to avoid distractions, let's close our eyes. And let me read this to you today. Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will fear, you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the dark, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Yes. Thank you, Lord. 
You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will, you will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample with the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him. For he acknowledges my name. He will call me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him with honor and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.